Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. I'm going to preach from an area that might surprise some of you. It is a Christmas message, so it is that, but it is going to be in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. On Wednesday, um, we, we, had our, uh, we had our candlelight service. That candlelight service, I love for people to be able to reflect a little bit on just how Jesus has personally impacted every one of our lives. Um, and, and the list I could go through off the bat is just enormous. The number of things that Jesus has done for me in my lifetime, for people to look at me and say, he doesn't exist, I just got to grin at him and kind of laugh because it's like there's, <laughs> there is, there's no way that you're going to convince me that this supernatural power that is always influenced in Jesus' name is not real. You're not going to convince me of that. I've seen him way too many times. I've seen him do way too many things. It's not possible to convince me otherwise. But the question is, how many Christians walk around in the world understanding who it is that they serve, really understanding who they serve? Because we're going to take this from this picture of who God is, because we're not going to take this out. Matter of fact, that's included in here because it's going to be in this passage of Scripture. God is God. He's sovereign. He made it. He can do anything he wants to with it. But what gets me is what he chose to do with it. He could have been a God who just took free will away from everybody, said, I'm just going to create a planet, a whole bunch of robots, make them all do what I want to, and watch this thing function just like a giant ant city inside somebody's house sitting on their dresser. He could have did that. But he didn't do that. With all that he could have done, he said, I don't want to watch you run around like robots. I want a relationship with you. A relationship. A real one. Not the kind that people just talk about. Not the type of relationship. How many of you guys, and I've mentioned this many times in sermons before, how many of you guys have ever had a friend that only wanted you when they needed something? How many of us tend to treat God that way? We only go to him when we need something. When's the last time you just prayed a prayer without asking him for anything, but just thanking him for everything that he's already given you? Because that's a relationship. Think about this on human terms. Would you consider yourself in a relationship with someone that never talked to you? Or that you never talked to? Or that you only went to when you wanted something? Would you really consider that a relationship? That's not a relationship. A relationship goes deeper. It means that the things that we do as individuals are provoked by who we believe Jesus is. So who Jesus is is the most important question to every individual, even those who trust in him. Because to all of us, we're learning. Not all of us know completely who Jesus is. I don't think nobody knows completely who Jesus is. But there are some people who know Jesus, who've known Jesus longer, therefore they do know him more. But the relationship doesn't change. So the question is, is a very important question. Who is Jesus? This is hundreds of years before Jesus shows up. This is a prophecy being made by Isaiah. 
in this prophecy, we'll kind of set the stage by reading the first verse. Let's read the first verse, and I'll give you just a little bit of the history here, um, and then uh, we can kind of move on to the points that he's making here. But in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 9, it says, But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In early times he, notice it's capitalized, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. So um, Zebulun and Naphtali were on the northwestern side of Galilee. When the Assyrians attacked Israel, they were the first two uh, families to hit. So it says he held them in contempt. It basically means that God allowed the Assyrian government to come in and to do to Israel what Israel what, what it had done to Israel. Now this is hard for us as human beings to balance. We think that God makes everything about us. He made his death about us. He made our part in this about us. But folks, let's make no mistake, this is all about his plan. Now people can, again, he's sovereign. People can kick against his plan if they want to, but it does no good. I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not, it's not going to cancel your divine appointment. Because all of us as human beings are going to have one. Why does God allow bad things to happen to me? Well, it all goes back to what I said a while ago. You're not all hardwired. You're responsible to make your own choices. Those choices prove whether you love him or not, because Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, what we mess up is we think that God just wants us to keep his commandments so that he can keep us beat down and in place. It has nothing to do with that. He knows that if we can't, if he knows that if we can't become who he is, that we are incapable of even giving any longevity to the gospel itself. Are you believable? If you're not a liar, you are, right? God allows these things to happen because his purpose and his plan is first. He'll put his hand down when he wants to, when it doesn't affect the outcome of his plan. I've seen him do that many, many times. The Assyrians hit uh, Naphtali and Zebulun and God let it happen, but the second part of that verse said, but later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Later on, he will make it glorious. Hold on to that for a little bit. Verse two, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. You will be glad, they will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian, for every boot of the booted warrior in battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. You know what this is saying? Here's the deal. God's got a plan and a purpose. That does not mean that he just sits back and avoids everything that happens to you and I as a result of this fallen world. He has taken notes. Just before God's wrath, do you know what the book of Revelation says that the atmosphere is like? It says that the area around God's throne burns black with sulfur. That his nostrils are flared. How many of you have ever pushed your parents too far? 
You ever push them to the point that they just broke? Here's what I want you to imagine. Imagine when God has had so much and he's taken it in and he's stored it. The way that people treat each other, the way that people are hateful to each other, the way that people are greedy and always try to take advantage of each other. Every time Satan or one of his minions or one of the powers under their control, every time, this promise has been repeated to us through scripture. Every time, what does he say? I'll get them for you. That's a paraphrase. You remember those under the throne? Oh God, when will you avenge us? Those who were martyred for Jesus Christ, those who are under his throne, what did he say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So I want you to imagine the God who spoke all of existence into existence. I want you to imagine the, the enormous power once God breaks. I mean, at the point that those, th those flood walls have been holding all of this in, God says, my plan and my purpose is coming about. And it is locked in. And he opens up every bit of the emotion that he's absorbed over 6,000 years. And he unloads every bit of it on the ones who are actually at fault. Verse 6. This is how... These first six verses, these first five verses, this is how these first five verses are going to come about. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The government will rest on his shoulders. What's Israel been dealing with for the last 400 years? Well, they were under the control of the Assyrians, and they were under control of the Babylonians, and they were under control of the Greeks, and they were under control of the Romans. They were under the control of five, five, maybe six. Over 400 years. So what government did they have as they were continually taken under the control of other countries? What control did they have? None. Let me ask you something. If Jesus came down here and ran for president, would you vote for him? You know why we would? Because we know just how capable those shoulders are. Amen? We're seeing corruption all over the place. Everybody's looking to get ahead. Everybody's looking to get rich and off of everybody else's backs. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. It is. So imagine the time of peace that's coming where the government rests upon his shoulders. Could you imagine the economy? Could you imagine the morality? Could you imagine the court system with Jesus in control? I bet that clean house pretty quick. I want us to look at these names a little closer, though. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. The word wonderful is kind of a strange word, right? I mean, you don't see it a whole lot in the Bible. But the word wonderful actually means something it goes to the depth of emotion. In other words, you know, I posted something on Facebook yesterday. I hope you had a chance, if you've seen it, you had a chance to read it. it, it it's really the exact same thing. 
wonderful counselor. What kind of things do we go through in life that the world tries to hook us and to pull us off in a different direction? But then we remember a promise that Jesus made to us. We remember something about him and it centers us and brings us back to where we should be. Folks, I want to tell you something, and I've said this before, it's real. Electronic currency's coming, probably in 2023. Now, it doesn't mean everybody's going to have to have it. I think so far, even the countries that have adopted it, only 10% of the population's using it. But let me tell you a little secret that has the ability to calm your fears a little bit. Guess how much of our monetary system in the United States is actually paper and coin money? Anybody got any guesses? 3%. 97% of our currency is already electronic. Debit cards, fast passes, Apple Pay. So, did you guys hear the polls are shifting? I mean, if you just honestly sit there and think about the fact that the polls are shifting, that's terrifying, right? How does Jesus bring us back to it, to where we should be? He's in control, right? And if I have a relationship with him and I trust him as much as I say that I trust him, then somebody, some scientist or geoscientist popping up on TV and saying the poles are shifting should not startle me, amen? He's a wonderful counselor. When Satan beats me up day after day for week after week after week and he finally convinces me you have zero value as a human being, you can't do anything right. You're less valuable than dirt. It's Jesus that says, did I die for you? And if I died for you, was you worth it? Something salvageable there. Jesus sees us as that something salvageable. And he's the one that said, hey, if I do this and I do it the way that I'm supposed to, I can truly bring peace and comfort to the hearts, the minds, and the lives of people who trust in me. I know we've turned it so cliche. Jesus is still on his throne. Amen? But it's lost its power because people say it so much. But the fact is, it hasn't lost its power because it's absolutely true. Jesus is still on his throne. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Now, this is where it gets really unique, especially com uh, considering the fact that Isaiah would not have known Jesus this way. May have met him, but he wouldn't have known him as the person of Jesus. He wouldn't have known him like, Paul, or like uh, Peter did. He wouldn't have known him like those guys. This was the Old Testament. God was mighty, but that was really what he was to people. Other than the prophets who knew the prophecies of the coming Christ, was God laughed about was he teased about or was he respected god's real name can somebody say it you can't say it there's no vowels in it we put vowels in it to make it so that we can pronounce it in english but it has no vowels in it y-h-w-h -H. that's how it's spelled do you know why they made it with no vowels in it because the name of God was so feared and revered in the Old Testament, you didn't even dare speak it. Is God respected like that in the world we live in today? He's not. 
But I'll tell you something. Just because Jesus came down here and gave his life for us doesn't make him weak. Just because he allowed himself to take the beating that he took, it doesn't make him weak. Matter of fact, it makes him the strongest that ever was and ever will be. Mighty God. Eternal Father. Literally been around forever. But did you pick up on that? He said a son will be born, right? For a child will be born to us, a son. How did he just call him eternal father if he's going to be the son? It's the fullness of God. In other words, God on earth. This is one thing that, big pe- that people fight about all the time. One big topic people fight about all the time. Jesus wasn't God. Yeah, he was. In his, in his essence, he was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three. And people say, oh, wait a minute. But you always say that it's three different persons. It is three different persons that are in perfect unison with each other, that every thought is, is, it matches Everything that they want is the same. This would be seriously like a three-person collective where we didn't have to talk to each other at all. We would just be sharing information with each other. Everything that we thought, everything that we wanted to do, everything that we said, we'd be sharing information with each other. That's what this relationship's like. In other words, all of these individuals who feared the Father forever, guess what they was about to see from him? They was about to see the greatest expression of love that will never be matched again. prince of peace could you imagine 400 years where god didn't speak to you and you're in captivity your enemies and how many of you now would categorize your own life as peaceful prince of peace he is the one who was ushering it in it was the, that was the marker and the time where Isaiah gets to say, all of your struggles, all, everything that you've gone through, every hardship, every difficulty, you have nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. To me, this is fairly simple. I understand it can be hard to swallow, but it's very simple. When you come to know Jesus Christ, are you telling him to use you whichever way he sees fit? You are. Take up your cross and come after me. Remember Isaiah chapter, or, uh, uh, Luke chapter 14? Come up, take up your cross and come after me. Your cross, not his. Each of us have individual responsibilities in the world that we live in. And in those individual responsibilities, we find conflict and we find difficulty. When we find that conflict and that difficulty, Jesus is the peace that helps us to get past it. He's the Prince of Peace. He's ushered it in. How many of you guys, how many of you guys blew it big enough when you were younger that uh, you won't forgive yourself? Anybody? Well, here's the deal, folks. It's a fact. And I tell people this all the time. If, if God has truly forgiven you and you refuse to forgive yourself, God no longer has any expectation of a punishment for you. Jesus paid for that, Right? And the Bible even says that he has forgotten it as far as the east is from the west, right? 
So as far as God's concerned, we come to know Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior. Past, present, future sins have been forgiven if you genuinely have that relationship. You won't find more peace anywhere than following God's lead. If God says you're forgiven, you should be able to take a big lung full of oxygen, sigh that oxygen out and go, because if God said it, it was done. Now imagine not having that source that says, I guarantee you I paid for that penalty. Imagine not having it. There's no peace there. Imagine all of our loved ones who have passed on before us. Could you imagine not believing that there was truly a God who cared enough to die on the cross and provides us an opportunity to go and be reunited with them someday? Because that's the only place of peace that I can find in death. For a while, we're here and we hurt and we watch each other hurt. Then for a short time, we're separated. If we both have a relationship with Jesus, we will come together again. And when we do, we'll never be separated again. And I want to point something out about this. Verse 6 just before it gives the titles and his name will be called did you pick up on that it didn't say his name is it says his name will be called jesus doesn't get his titles just because he's god not these titles In other words, this is a description of what people will call Jesus when they watch him live. Those individuals who are in his circle at that moment, those individuals are the ones that he's going to be that influence for. A child will be born to us, or will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, his name will be called, will be. In other words, if I run around lying to all you guys, what am I? A liar. Well, I mean, you're not going to call me a liar, hopefully, unless you catch me lying a lot, right? Liars are liars. That's how you know a liar is a liar. What about a thief? Does Does a person get called a thief before they actually go out and steal something? Does a person get called happy before they're actually witness to being so? In other words, folks, this is saying, this is not saying just believe me because I'm telling you this is God's name. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that completely are full of the life and the experience and the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's full of them. And if you read those four gospels, those four accounts, guess what conclusions it'll lead you to? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This isn't who he says he is. This is who everyone else says he is. This is what God God was saying several hundred years before Jesus is on the scene. God's saying, oh, you'll see him, you'll know him, and when you get to know him, you're going to call him. Because this is what he brings to the table.
7 says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. For then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What does it mean to be zealous about something? Intentional, but it's also passionate. I would call it intentional passion. In other words, if you're zealous for something, and, and I've seen people that um, are zealous over Christmas lights. Have you ever seen people zealous over Christmas lights? Do you guys have any neighbors down the road from you that are zealous over Christmas lights? It's like, you know, they get a Christmas card from you every year because they burn so much electricity. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. The zeal is this. What do you, what do you suppose makes somebody zealous? Because, I mean, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. I love, I love fried deer meat. That was a turn, wasn't it? You know what I don't like? I don't like cooking it. But if I like it enough, I'll cook it, right? I'll not only cook it, but in the anxious anticipation of the finished product, I will be giddy about cooking it. I might sit around, sit down once in a while and complain about my gat in my back from standing in front of the stove for so long, but I am fired up about the finished product. Guess what God's fired up about? the finished product. And I believe this, folks. I believe my heart of hearts that God is just wringing his hands as he, watch, as he watches us go through the things we go through. Not always choosing to intervene because he's using us. Even in our pain, he's using us. But he's looking at every one of us in our lives, knowing everything that we've ever hurt over, everything we've ever anguished over, and he is sitting there with his thumb on the hammer. And he's ready to see this through as much as anybody else is. And as soon as the total number of individuals who will be saved are saved, we're going to see these things fulfilled and fulfilled quickly. Can you imagine a God who we know that one day he's going to say enough's enough time to give the promise to all of those that I made it to and it's time to give the punishment to all of those that I promised it to this shouldn't just bring us peace it should also bring us pain because as much as we look forward to going to heaven all you got to do is walk around at Christmas time. You can see whether there are many people out there who truly trust in Jesus or not. And nowadays, it's even hard sometimes to find out who the ones who really are believers in Jesus. Because it's become so easy to do. And have you noticed recently just how little of God you see in the public realm anymore? Get on Facebook, look for it, you can see it. But I'm talking about you just surfing. How many church things you see pop up anymore? So life's going to get hard. Then it's going to get easier. That's what this is saying. 
Life's going to be bad, but then it's going to be glorious. It's going to hurt for a little while, but it's, the peace is going to last forever. Imagine no end. Imagine no sin. No more hurting because of sin. No more people hurting other people because of sin. Imagine people no longer hurting themselves because of their own sin. To just exist. Worship, fellowship. Who knows what we'll do? I know there's a sea there. I also know that there's a, there's, there's a tree there. I also know that there's a river there. I'm pretty sure we're probably fish. And, and people say, I'm not sure whether we'll eat. I'm pretty sure that if you get wherever you're going and you can't eat, you're in hell. In heaven, you'll get to eat. You just ain't getting no weight. Amen? Amen? We don't know what this is going to look like, but I can promise you this. You can paint the worst picture you can possibly paint, and it looks a whole lot better than this planet. Today, I want you to celebrate. I don't know why it took so long for that to kind of jump out and hit me in the face. Christmas is about Jesus. It is. It's about Jesus. But it's not just about Jesus. It's about celebrating the enormous impact that Jesus' coming had on mankind. And if we just say it's about Jesus, we've cheapened it. Because it's literally the celebration about the, the one event in all of human history that had the power to split time. Be victorious. Know it in your heart. Know it in your head. If Jesus is your Lord, hard times will give way to better times. And those better times will give way to the perfect times. And when that peace takes over, you'll never have to worry about it again. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Never made it a never made it a public uh, a public decision. Uh, never followed through on believers' baptism. If there's any area in your life, now I want you to hear me and hear me hear me clearly when I say this. Don't don't feel like I'm pressuring you to come up here. Do not come up here during this invitation time because I asked you to. I am not someone who's trying to to call you up here or guide you up here, but I am going to ask you this: If the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, and you will know what that means he tells you to stand up and get up there then do it i can't ask any more than that just be obedient to what god says to you don't respond to me or any other human being listen for him if you're here today and you're a believer in jesus christ i hope your heart's encouraged and i hope that you leave this place today with your jesus thankful with you understanding the enormity of the gift that god's given us and just how much this not only has impacted our lives but how he is going to impact individuals' lives from this point forward, however long he tarries. So have your heart encouraged. Celebrate with your family today. Eat. Be merry. But don't commit gluttony. No. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. 
That's why God sent his only son Jesus to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, he came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.